This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, Justin, uh, you and I have been doing marketing stuff for a little while, and we love just watching people who do their technique. And the technique that we always make fun of, you know, those guys that have the cell phone camera and they're in front of the mansion and they're like, hey, this is my car. Uh, This is my mansion. And then you find out that the mansion, you know, it was a rental. It was a rental. It was a rental. Right, right. Well, the guy that we're about to talk with is, is legit. Like when he does this from his mansion, he's doing it from his mansion. Like when he's showing his car, he he he's he's showing his this guy this guy is like the real deal like he's the he's I the mean, legitimate version of this you're about to see if you're watching if you watch the video of this you're about to see that he's got real suits of armor and these are these are specialized suits of armor i'm, I'm just gonna leave it at that yeah i'm, I'm gonna tease it yeah yeah but but <laughs> but uh but haven't you ever wondered about these types of people and like who they who they are right yeah like what they always. why they yeah well well this guy's legit and uh he's actually a very big name uh, I, I guess this is the thing that's that's tripping me out about this show is that uh, these guests are actually approaching us and they're saying, "Hey, marketing geeks, fellows, uh, we would love to be on your show." And that that's blowing my mind, and especially because now we've got this like new level of guests, including the one that uh, is about to be on our show. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready for it. Before, before we cut there, I, I want to say that this, what makes this really interesting and really special is that this particular guest has millions of followers on his social media accounts and his YouTube channel. I mean, we're talking millions, like that's more than seven. You know what I mean? That's, that's by quite a lot. And, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, man, um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that will rub off on us a little bit. Cause I know like when you rubbed off on me, we got, you know, special things happen. <laughs> and uh sparks fly that, right <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome to the marketing geeks marketing geeks. we're gonna be right <laughs> we're gonna be right back with uh our very special guest right after the commercial break we're gonna pay some bills we'll be right back when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my fine pleasure to introduce Dan Locke, everyone. 
Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Right, that, first of all, first of all, I just got to say from a geek perspective, for those of you who are only podcast listeners, we're going to post this on our YouTube channel. But but this man is standing behind two Iron Man outfits <laughs> about like raising the bar of uh, like that. You, you walk into a meeting with th- this image. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and and Done. don't forget, he has a Captain America shield right behind him as well. That's right, right let's, there. Let's right not there. leave that out there. Right there. Oh right man, there. you get you definitely get the geek award of the day. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm a geek too, right? So I, yeah. What's the best way to to represent this than this? Well, I, I've got so many questions for you because I'm 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 a, I'm a fan of what you do. You do it very very well. Mm. And uh, so, uh, but for, for those of our seven listeners who don't know who you are, mm. can you give us a, a little bit of your background and, and how you became head of this empire? Mm. So I was, I was born in Hong Kong and I immigrated to, to Vancouver, Canada and North America when I was 14 years old. And as the only child in my family, I, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 16 years old. And so shortly after that, when I was 17, my dad actually went bankrupt. And as, as, a, young, as a teenager, I had no interest in, in business. Like not in a million years, I thought this is, would be what I do. Wow. I, had, I had no interest in business. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was and anything like that. I got into business by accident because I wanted to take care of my mom. And I knew I couldn't take care of my mom if I was just working in a, in a minimum wage job because I wasn't doing very well in school because the English language barrier. And, and I couldn't really know like where would I go in life. And so I just got into business because I thought that's something that I could, I could make a like, better living and provide for my family. And that was it. But after that, and then fast forward today, and this is where we are today, right? So who would you say was like um, a mentoring influence on you then? Because, you know, to go from not being interested in business to, to being a super success in business pretty fast, you achieved, uh, you achieved pretty early success. Mm. What would you credit as the, the driving force that took you in the direction of business? And like, was there a specific mentor that really yes. like took, uh, took hold over you? Like, it, tell, tell me a it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because sometimes, sometimes they say now people know, they say people see me on social media. They followed me on social media. And I hear this a lot. Oh, you know, Dan Lok came out of nowhere and it just blew up on social media. The reality <laughs> is I've been online since 2004. I've been marketing online since 2004. I started my business when I was in high school, right? So I've actually been doing business over two decades now, if you think about it, right? So because of that, and so I, it's not a short period of time, although I am relatively young <laughs> the most, but I'm an old soul just because I have done a lot of things. I've tried a lot of things. I fail in a lot of things, but over the years I've had three mentors. My first mentor, his name is Alan Jacks, and Alan's actually used to be uh, Gary Halbert's mentee. He learned corporate from Gary Halbert mm-hmm. and Alan taught me corporating. I was a corporator for his company. That's kind of how he uh, mentored me. First mentor, second mentor, his name is Dan Pena. You've seen him on YouTube probably. Uh, and he's the claim to fame grew a company from zero to $450 million in the oil industry. And so that's Dan Pena. And then third mentor, which is the new mentor that I have uh, now, is his name is Mr. Dwayne Clark. And he runs a very, very successful uh, senior home, senior living business. So those are the three main mentors for me. 
Well, when you say you started your first business, um, this is, you had already migrated to the United States at that point, right? When you started your first online business, is that correct? No. So I was, I was just first business was just landscaping. I was just more. Okay. <laughs> just landscaping. Okay. This is a young, young kid. I was trying to, uh, do delivery business. I was trying to fix computers for people. I tried vending machines. So I try a lot, like just like most yeah. young people, a lot of the, the, the side hustle, I guess I, <laughs> I try a lot of different things and they, they didn't work for me until I, in my early twenties, I found my first mentor, Alan, where he taught me how marketing incorporating and how to, how to, how to get customers, right? How do you communicate? Uh, that's when things turn around for me. That was a turning point. So what, let, let's go back to like the first successful business. Then you're in your twenties. You're, you've just uh, been mentored a bit on, on internet marketing and copywriting. Mm. So the, the very first business that actually achieves success, what, what would you say? Like, we have a, a lot of listeners that are, we have a mix. I mean, we have some people that are executives in marketing. We have some people that are college students that are wanting to get into marketing, mm. but for the ones that are kind of getting started, what would you say has been, was the most important lesson that you learned in the very beginning to like build the foundation of a, what became a solid business? Mm, good question. So before I met Alan, I had tried all kinds of businesses. I started, I counted, started and failed at 13, 13 businesses, <laughs> right? Yeah. Before having the quote unquote first success. And I looked at all of that. Why did those businesses fail? They all failed because I had an idea and I thought it was good. I could do something to make a living, but I actually didn't know anything about marketing, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what business you're in. Marketing is a very, very important function of business, right? Yeah. Because that's what brings in customers. So when Alan taught me how to do marketing, so I've worked with him for almost a year, almost like a volunteer for his company for one year. And afterwards, then I started my own one-man advertising agency, kind of a copywriter, yeah, working yeah. From home, writing copy for people. And from there, I was making early 20s, making about $10,000 a month as a copywriter. Now, for your audience listening to this, maybe $10,000, it may, may not be a lot of money. But back then, for me, it was a lot of money. Right? It was six-figure income as a young guy that I've never seen so much money in my life. Right? So that's the first success because I developed the ability to, to market. Right? Yeah, and that the confidence. And the confidence there too, I'm sure. So I didn't know much much confidence back then. It's okay, uh, but I, I, I at least it, it showed me that I could do it. Yeah, when you go from not making a lot of money to making ten thousand dollars in a month, I'm sure that kind of boosted your your confidence a bit, right? When you mm. when you're young, and mm. that's like, and, the, and you're getting your business off the ground, that must have been like a big boost. Mm. It, it, at first, it felt the, the kind of the imposter syndrome. I felt like, is it, <laughs> is, that a, is it a fluke? Is it like? Uh, are really people paying me to write stuff? And like, it's, it's pretty crazy. It took me a while to accept that. Though. Now I've got, yeah, I've got, a, I've got this question. Cause I, I want to go back a little bit further when you came over from Hong Kong and, and you, you, you've, you've mentioned before in other places that you're, you didn't have a good command of the language. Mm. And then your, your father and mother start having these issues. And then he, you know, your world just falls apart at this very, very early age. Yeah. What, what was that experience like for you to be a kind of a stranger in a strange land? Also, you know, Hong Kong was just given uh, to back to China from the British and yes. Hong Kong is slightly different than mainland China. So, so first of all, what was it like for you to, you, you must've felt a little alien on a lot of different levels. What was that experience like for you? When I first came here, uh, I couldn't speak a word of English. Didn't, didn't know anybody, right? And no money, just me and my mom, right? We had a little bit of savings. We moved here. We were living in a one-bedroom condo in Surrey, 
Um, in case you don't know, Surrey is kind of hood in our, in our city, okay, that okay. area. So and you were 14, correct, when you came? Yeah, 14 years old. Okay. So okay. The, first, the first week, I was afraid to go out. I was staying in my home because I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll talk to people. Would they talk to me? It's, it's in, a, in a very strange environment, right? From like going to just, you just you go to a new city and it's just like, it's odd. It's a little bit weird. And you're, as a young guy, I was afraid. So I was in the beginning, very pissed, pissed off. I was pissed off at my parents. Why would they want to move? And why, why am I in this country? Why, why I lost all my friends? What the hell is going on? Right. Um, just a little backstory. When I was in Hong Kong, the reason we moved, it's not because of 1997. The reason we moved because I was getting into a lot of trouble as a young teenager. I was hanging around with gang members and stuff like that. So my father had to bail me out from the police station. But the police officer told my father, you got to get yourself out, get your son out of this environment. Otherwise, he'll, he'll end up in some bad place, right? And my father immediately said, okay, took me from Hong Kong and boom, just put me in North America, right? So it's, that was what was going on. So when I was going through to school, I was one of the only three Chinese in my school, right? Wow. Because I spoke funny and I was 100, I don't know, 10 pounds. It was like a monkey, right? <laughs> very so, small. Yeah, very tiny, small. I spoke funny. I got, I got bullied. I got beat up. I mean, I was picked on every damn day, right? And, and because of that, I had a lot of these confidence issue and what helped me was actually because one night i was flipping through the cable i saw bruce lee oh yeah <laughs> return of the dragon classic classic right chuck norris bruce lee was someone who couldn't speak a word of english went to rome kick ass take names right <laughs> he became my hero that night right and so that's when i took an interest in martial art and, and learn and, and build self-confidence so Definitely, martial art has helped me tremendously in my career. And, but through that period of time, it was, it was very difficult. However, looking back, if I didn't come, didn't come here, if I was staying in Hong Kong, would I have accomplished what I've accomplished? I don't think so. I don't think so. How many languages do you speak now? Do you speak just English and, uh, and uh, so Mandarin? Speak, uh, English, Mandarin, and Cantonese. I speak. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And you know, it's, it's like also your story is really a testament to why immigrants can really make a difference in this melting pot that, that is called America, because the people that you have influenced, the, the, the amount of people that you employ, the amount of money you've generated for other businesses. Uh, you know, I, I am of the firm belief that a human mind has tremendous potential no matter where it is. And if we, don't give a human mind an opportunity to explore its full potential. We are limiting the human race, right? I totally agree. That's why I have very little patience for people saying that, oh, you know, it's kind of hard, it's difficult, and I can't make it, and this and that. I said, just if you think you can't make it in here, like <laughs> if this is hard, just imagine you go to a foreign country and you don't speak the language and try to make it there. Yeah. Like people have no idea what is hard, right? <laughs> they, they don't understand what that is like. So, and especially it's interesting because before I was a copywriter, I flung English twice when I was in high school. <laughs> very right? different skills though. They are very different. English, English writing and copywriting are quite different, but yeah, yes. I, I get it though. It's, it's interesting. I, it, was, it, was, it was one of my greatest weaknesses, right? Talking to people, could speak language, writing, and, 
And that's now I turned it into my greatest strength. Yeah. Well, the language of influence is different than the language of um, literature, I would say, in like the United States. So there, there is there's quite a distinction there. Now, I will say that um, it's pretty incredible because you didn't come over to the United States until you were 14 years old. And, you know, if I didn't know better, I would think that you were raised in the United States because you, you have a, a pretty you don't you have it. I mean, a pretty mild accent and you speak. Yes. You have a very strong command of the language from what yes. I hear. So, yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate well, that. Yeah. And, and confidence on the stage. I mean, you're a two time TEDx uh, TED, TED talk speaker as well. Yeah. TEDx speaker. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. So so what would you say to somebody who is like just starting out right They're They're maybe even uh, say middle age. They have like some dumb podcast. They're trying to figure out what to do with their lives. What would you say to somebody who's like, okay, if you're starting out, the mountain that you have to climb, because you've mentioned in other spaces that you worked for five years solid without a break, 10 to 12 hours a day, right? So how, it's not just the hard work, it's part, it's a lot of it, but but what would you say to somebody who's just starting out and and looking up that hill and going, I don't know if I can actually pull this off. How, How would you respond to that? Mm, I think, first of all, let's define that mountain, whatever the success that people want. And everybody wants different things, right? Some people, mm-hmm. they say, hey, I want to build a good business that's a, you know, I can work from home, I have freedom, a lifestyle entrepreneur, I'm generating six-figure income, I'm a, I'm a happy person, right? I can spend time with my kids, with my wife, and I'm, I'm good, right? That's one mountain. Or you say, you know what? No, I want to build a seven-figure business. I want to, I want to build something a little bit bigger. Or someone who wants to build a global organization. Like those are very different mountains. Like one is like a small mountain. One is like Mount Everest, right? <laughs> it's still a mountain, but it requires a different level of sacrifice. It requires very different level of sacrifice. So when you understand that, then I always, myself, I always reverse engineer, meaning who do you have to be in order to do that? Not what you have to do, because we always go to the how, the what to, how to do something. On the internet, there's no lack of how to. You have how many podcasts you can listen to, how many videos you can watch. It's not about that. It's the who. Who do you have to be? It's very simple. You will never be a millionaire with a $50,000 a year habit. Right? People operate from still that mentality. And that's why I'm such a big proponent mindset to, to jump to this. So think about back then, my identity was a copywriter. That's who I was. Okay, I was a copywriter. And I transitioned into being more a marketing consultant. Okay, I was a marketing consultant. And then I was transitioning to internet marketing, an internet marketer. People see us, see us, we're a copywriter, we're a marketer, we're this, right? But now I look at what I do. I said, well, I have copywriting skill, but I'm not a copywriter. I, I have marketing skill, but I'm not a marketer. I, I, have, I have speaking skill, but I'm not a speaker. So the identity I have today is I am the CEO, which is what I do. I'm the CEO of a global um, media and education company. That's what I do. So I make the identity shift first, then I go get the how-to, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you see the word becomes the the law, the the word, what you utter, what you say becomes reality. And I've I've known so many people who, who... they limit themselves with this type of uh, messaging to themselves on a regular basis. It's, it's yeah. just continuously telling the same story will limit where you go in life. 
I just want to add something because this, I think the, the metaphor or not even a metaphor, but what you're describing and, and the way you take on identities is it's important to separate behaviors from identities. Mm. And this goes down to things like for people with the suffer from addiction, even like yes. it's one thing to say, to identify like the addiction is part of my person, my identity, but it's another thing to say that it's, you know, the behavior, it's a behavior that I identify with, but it's not my, it's not my sole identity because I think it gets dangerous when you take on certain things as your exactly. sole identity. Just, just, just like people say that, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to quit smoking. Yeah. Well, for people who want to try smoke, you, you, because the identity means I'm still a smoker trying to quit smoking. For someone who doesn't smoke, well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm they don't not, even think about it. They don't think yeah. about it. It's not either smoking or not smoking. You're, you can't be you can't be trying to quit smoking. You're doing one or the other. So it's uh, the same thing. When you're an entrepreneur, are you are you do you see yourself being that, or you you're still I'm a nine to five guy trying to do that. Right? Yeah, it's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most impressive things that I've seen about you, Dan, is that you've built a massive following. Like you have uh, you have 1.7 million YouTube followers. You have millions on social media you've built this like huge, this huge tribe of people that are engaging with you. Mm. And, you know, here we are, uh, Andres and myself have been starting a podcast. We've been, uh, we've, we've made more of an emphasis on uh, attracting our own tribe, but I wanted to, I wanted to hear uh, from you, like what, what have you found to be some of the most important areas as far as like attracting and building relationships with your, uh, with your clientele, with your prospects, uh, Mm. building that tribe. Can you talk a little bit about like how you were able to build such a big tribe and how, uh, and you have a, a, you know, a strong reputation in the community as being like a global influencer. So tell me just a little bit about what identity you adopted to, um, to have that, to achieve that kind of a success as well. That's a good question. Uh, let me just lay a foundation first. Okay. There, most people, they talk about, I, I want to build a social follow. Then how, how do I have more fans? How do I get more yeah. likes? How do I get more followers? I say, I have zero interest in social media. Zero fucking interest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want to get a t-shirt that says that actually. Okay. Like zero. Cause most people that use social media for pleasure. I use it for profit. Yep. Okay. So there's a big difference between a social media following and social capital. I'll get into that. I'm interested in accumulating social capital. I have zero interest in building a social following. There's a big difference. Okay. Social following, meaning I get followers, I get likes, I get all these things. And I was reading an article. There was a, an in, uh, Instagram uh, influencer and teenager and with 2 million followers on Instagram, couldn't sell 36 t-shirts. Wow. How many influencers are broke? A lot. <laughs> right? You and I know, like, you, you can't go to the bank and say, hey, man, I, I got no money, but, but I, I got a lot of followers. Can I, can I deposit some likes? Like, you can't do that. <laughs> If people don't understand. I can do that. <laughs> right? We do that here in the Netherlands. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good, right? You know, I should be something then, <laughs> right? So, you know what I mean? So, it, it's not what it is. It's why you want it. Yeah. I mean, there's vanity metrics or like likes and things like that. And then there's metrics that actually convert to business and cash. There's a distinction. Yeah. So, when I'm talking about social capital, on the other hand, is right now, the most valuable thing right now in the world, it's not financial capital. It's not money. The proof of that is a lot of VCs, venture capitalists, are going out of business because they have capital that they cannot deploy. There's more money ever, more capital now in the financial market than ever in human history. More money looking for deals, not the other way around. So, but I'm not Russian. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not like an oligarch. I can't like, you know, change. So what, what, I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is 
financial capital is one thing, and people think that's valuable. It's not because if you have social capital, you can convert that into financial capital, or you can convert that into what I call relational capital. Which I believe those that's, those are the two new goals in the 21st century, and also human capital. Mm-hmm. Those now, three. Now, where does AI fall into kind of that matrix for you? Data, right? To me, big data. Human capital, social capital, regional capital, those big four, which is what I all what is all I focus on, right? It's not it's not just tech or it's not just put it this way. Let, let's hypothetically today they say if I wants to raise capital using my brand, I could raise money like this. Why? Because of the social capital that I've accumulated, right? No different than than you know so and so starting his fund. It's the same thing. If I wanted to, I don't want to, but that's what I'm talking about. So that's why it's more valuable. And, and there's so much truth in the power of your personal brand and having that tribe foundation. I mean, I look at like, I was just watching an interview um, with Gary Vaynerchuk on, on YouTube the other day, and he was talking about how he got back into the wine business. And he basically, without spending any money outside of his social capital that he built through his uh you saw like two million dollars, was something like that, right? It, yeah, it was a it was a ridiculous number. Uh, just selling, getting back into wine, and all based on the following that he built through VaynerMedia. Yeah, or, you know, not nothing, no paid advertising, no cold traffic, all from that following. He was able to sell, yeah, whatever the numbers were, they were ridiculous. Yeah, and there's just so much power in in having those tribes these days. Um, beyond like, uh, beyond though, the social capital, what, what are the other key metrics that you see, like between those businesses that are, that thrive and then those that ultimately are going to crumble and fall? Mm. So when I saw it, let's say take YouTube, for example, right? At the time mm-hmm. when I made a decision, it was about four years ago, I think 2014 about, about, I decided to be on YouTube. At first I had no choice of being on YouTube, but I upload some videos. And what I saw in a space, in the, in the business space there were only a couple, a couple influencers who have accomplished what I thought, like, like a, over a million subs at the mm-hmm. time, like very, very few, close to a million subs. And I thought, okay, I think, I think there's a, a void here that's a little bit different than with my personality, with my story, just my own brand that would be different. So I made a decision to kind of focus on, on that area. Uh, the way I approach social media it's very simple. I don't look at social media as number one. I just post some stuff or we purpose some stuff. I run it like a media company. I have a media division. So within social media, the way I approach it, I'll go into tactics, but I just want to give you the setup. Why okay. I do social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have 22 full time just on social, just on my brand. Wow. So I have one person just on Facebook organic, <laughs> two people just on Facebook pay. Five people on video production. Like one, I have one key leader director for each platform. One person just on LinkedIn, which is I think the weakest at this point, but I'm going to make it strong. So you can see, like I run it like a business. I don't run it. Oh, here's something cool that I do. No, I run it like a media company because I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I approach it like with an entrepreneurial spirit, right? So yeah. that's first of all, that's the setup. Now, in terms of tactics, everything we do, I track data, I make decisions, not based on assumptions, but based on facts. We look at video, I take, let's take a YouTube, most people upload video, oh, I don't know if it works or not. How come I'm not getting traction? You know what we do? We look at the thumbnail, we look at the title, I look at retention, I look at the time, I look at the view time, everything is numbers driven, 
and then we come up with conclusions on how do you make that better. That's just on YouTube. Forget everything else. And that, yeah, that yeah. tool is free, folks. It is free to use and very easy to learn. Yeah. You really break down. I mean, uh, I imagine you look at things like colors and like things like that when you're looking at thumbnails too, all that. Everything. We test, we split test thumbnail. So notice everything we do, people say, I have influencers. Dan, I want to be like you. They come to my place one day, they follow me one day, say, I don't want to be like you. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Never mind. I didn't realize how much you do. Like when they see what we, like we run it. Like when they see that, I'm like, holy, I can't do that. It's a whole another animal when they see. It's a whole, uh, like I'm talking successful influencers. Yep. Right. They walk into the seat that's set up. They're like, shit. Which is good. It is good. It, it's what, that's what separates you from everybody else, too. Yeah. Bear of entry, right? And I'd, I'd like to touch on this just for a moment because, uh, you know, what you're talking about reminds me a little bit of what George Harrison, my favorite Beatle, uh, once said. When someone asked him what it was like to be a Beatle, he said, well, listen, that time in my life, it was like wearing a suit. And I wore the Beatle suit. Yeah. And that was what I did. But then one day the suit didn't fit me anymore and I took it off. And I reminisce on that the way I would reminisce of an old suit. And, and, and so, you know, he had a certain persona that he, he uh, provided. And, and, uh, but with you, uh, your brand is very like, uh, it's very young. It's like super you know, like you, you're a very strong speaker. You're very charismatic. You're a dynamo. You don't stop. Right. And so, so, and, 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 you know, obviously this is no big secret that part of that is, is the, the, the role that you're playing, right. That's your brand. Yes. So how, how do you, cause you can't do that all the time. You would yes. burn out. Yes. So what do you do when you're not wearing the den luck entrepreneur suit Mm. How do you like detach yourself and relax and uh, uh, get the yin? Good question. And what you see on social media, like people, they may be put on different masks and, and different, different show and all that. Uh, I, to me, it's, it's too tired to do that. What you see here, what you see on social media, it's me. It's just louder. You hang out with day to me, day to day. It's the same. I'm exactly the same, just less loud. Well, we're going to Burning Man, my friend. <laughs> less, it's just less, like less, less loud. But it's what because it, I don't want to build my life around social media. I think that's very dumb. Okay, because I, I don't want to do that. It's it's too exhausting. Last thing I want is to 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 build something and then I don't like that person. Right? I would rather I rather be hated for I, for who I am than to be loved by who I'm not. Right? Yeah. I don't want I don't want to do that. When people meet me on the street, when people meet, me, I'm just saying. In fact, most of the time, they say, "Oh, you're a lot nicer in person than I thought." So it's, so what you see, this is, it's not putting on a show. I live and breathe. This is, this is what I do. People, it's what I do. And people think, people might think, oh, you buy this for, for social. No, it has nothing to do with social. It's what I like to collect. I just like, you bought it because it's fucking awesome. (laughs) It's just, it's, oh, you, you do it because, oh, it's Marvel. Are you leveraging Marvel? No, it's just, it's what I like to collect, dude. Right? It's, it's, it's like Bruce Lee. It's what I love. It's my martial art. I just build social media around my life and I share bits and pieces of it and people, oh, they resonate. But it's not for, oh, I do it for, it's a marketing like spectacle or anything like that. No, it's not at so all. So how do you center yourself through all of this? Because, you know, chaos is a ladder. You, you have a lot of controlled chaos around you that you use as a ladder. But how do you center yourself through all of this? 
every morning I have a morning ritual. I do an attitude gratitude. So I am, because of my martial art background, I think it taught me a lot. Like in martial art, I mean, Asian martial art, right? Not, not like UFC, I beat you. Not MMA, that. yeah, for not sure. MMA. Not like I want to I beat the other guy. I'm the best, I'm the strongest. Asian martial art, it's like the philosophy is always, it doesn't matter how strong you are, there's always someone who's bigger, stronger, faster, right? It, it teaches you to be humble. So I don't look at, I think people look at what I do, like, oh, Dan, you're successful, you're this and that. You know how I see myself? Like, this is where I am. I want to be there. So this, I don't, I don't feel that, oh, I'm, I don't feel very successful, right? Because I don't compare myself with, every, I compare myself with me, what I could do, right? So when you look at it that way, then it's. And, and I mean, from what I gather, like you said, you, you are, you're not putting on a show when you're doing all this work. This is what you love to do. Love you to actually do. have passion for it. And you know, they say like, if you, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's kind yeah, of what I guess. It would not be possible if I don't, first of all, if I don't like it, no, no one can ask me to do stuff I don't like to do yeah. at, at this point in my career. Right. If I'm making a video, I'm doing an interview, I'm doing things like that because I like to do it. Yeah, you know what? Do I mention my stuff? I mention my brand, mention my book. I mean, if someone buys my book, they don't buy my book. It doesn't make a difference to my life. It, it's zero, right? Uh, so it doesn't really matter, but I like to do it. Um, but selectively, I want to do it. Uh, and so it's then it becomes a play and fun and, and it's great. I integrate it with my life. And, and so the whole thing is, it, it's think about on YouTube, I've got go over a thousand videos. Can you imagine making a thousand videos if you don't like to do it? It'd be pretty horrible. <laughs> it would be like, yeah. let's just put a, put, a, like, put a gun in my mouth. I mean, God, it's like, it would be, it's just like, just kill me, please. Like, it's not, no, it's just, hey, you know, I like to do it. I like to teach. I love it, it right? It seems to me, it seems to me that you're, you're actively practicing regularly. Uh, you have a practice of gratitude yes. and, and humility. And it seems like those, those are the, like the things that, you know, you remind yourself, and this is like, it's interesting. They actually read a study about this uh, on the internet. So I'm sure it's legit, <laughs> but that, uh, that most successful people do this where they have a gratitude journal and they, they practice humility in some way. And oh. uh, I, I, I have no doubt that's added to your success because there seems to be a lack of humility and uh, gratitude in our world today. Mm. And, and I, I, I take, pride in in terms of people who have first of all who have worked with me people have done business with me forget people see sometimes they see on social they, they watch one video i don't like you i don't like the way you say certain certain things or, or they come to conclusion watching like three minutes it's like you read a book you read like two paragraphs i don't like this book right <laughs> versus reading the whole book i'm pretty proud if you actually talk to anyone who have or i've done business with who i've worked with I think you find, I won't say 100%, but a good 99% would say, hey, you know, love to do business with Dan. It's, it's great. So if they give you a fair chance, you will eventually win them over, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, that's because your reputation. You can, do all, you can do all the hype. You can do all the promotion, do marketing, PR. At the end of the day, I would not be able to build the company that we have today if we don't deliver. 
How many, how many total employees do you have now? Cause you mentioned how many you've dedicated, I think you said 22 are dedicated to individual social media network platforms. Probably within, cause we have different companies with the core team is about 60. Okay. Uh, and then we have about another 120 uh, closers internally. And I take it they're just, uh, they're more not full-time. They're just kind of working they're full-time on full-time uh, commission base. Full-time commission. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you more about your system of how you, cause you have, you, you have several businesses. Um, and I noticed for instance, uh, I was looking for your book, uh, FU money mm. and, uh, which, uh, F U we all know stands for far out, man. And, but, but, but you, you have a landing page for the book where you will, if you collect their email address, you will give them the book. Mm-hmm. for free and the audiobook, and i just i just wanted to break down more from like the sales perspective of, of yeah. the you can ask me you can ask me all kind like how i broke it down i share all that with you yeah well the, the the mechanism of how you set it up was great because you have the landing page the lead-in uh and then you go to the thank you page which has the uh the sales like thank you letter uh and then you say watch this you've got 45 minutes to till, till we get this stuff together mm-hmm. and you've collected someone's uh information so, so talk a little bit about like these processes you set up to generate income from these things you create, like the books. Mm, so basically, it, this is like in, in, inter, in internet marketing, this is not new. It's pretty basic 101, right? You build your social media following, you run ads, warm traffic, cold traffic. You put them through a funnel, right? You get them to opt into some kind of free offer and you build a list through email, you would build a relationship and then you make an offers from time to time. Like very, this, this, this has been around a long time, been back in direct mail days, right? This is not new. Uh, I think what is new is in terms of different types of funnels out there. And, and Russell Brunson, my good friend, I mean, from ClickFunnel, he, he teaches this a lot, right? Different, mm-hmm. Is it a self-liquidating offer? Is it a, a, a trip-wide offer? Meaning that you've got to give them free, like they, they, they pay shipping and handling, and then you can have multiple upsells. Is it a webinar uh, funnel? So it depends on what you sell, right? The different types of funnel. However, I think most people, they get it wrong is they try to sell on social. That is not how you do it. You build a relationship on social and then you give them something else and say, hey, if you want more of this, it's just basically, you're not trying to make the sale. You're asking people, put up your hand if you want more of this. <laughs> I want more of this. Okay, great, click. Let me give you something worth of value. From there, you give them some more value and say, hey, if you really like this, the free things, the free stuff, my pay stuff is so much better. And then a percentage would say, hey, I would want the, the, the give me the full thing, right? Give me the full meal. Give me the, the, the next offer, the next thing I could do. And then boom. And then that's how people would buy, right? It's not complicated, but most people, I think they make it too complicated. <laughs> now, is that how you're structuring the marketing for your new book? Uh, and let's, talk, let's, let's transition into the new book because you have it in yes. front of you there. It's called Unlock It by Dan Locke. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we'll, let's start with, uh, let's start with, tell, tell me, uh, tell the listeners a, a brief summary of what, um, what the book is about um, and then also where they can get it. And then let's talk a little bit about the, about the campaign even that you're using to market. So, so the, this, the book is the, the worst marketing campaign I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's prelude with that now. <laughs> no, seriously, it's, if it's a marketing thing, I, I would say that's a complete failure because I put in way more effort and time than return. Yeah. Right? So people ask me why did I write a book? Exactly what you said. I, almost nine years ago, I wrote F.E. Money. In my late 20s, right? I wrote the book. 
And it's one of my most, uh, that book, it's one of the most well-known we've got. So many, many, many. Great I mean, title. Know. Great yeah. title. It's such a good title. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have read it. A lot of people rave about it. A lot of people download it. I mean, download, I think we've had over like a million downloads, like from what you saw the landing page. Okay, it's, it's, it's a huge number. Why did I write this book? Because I wrote that when I was late 20s. I was brash. I was arrogant. I was just a brash, arrogant yeah. guy, right? Because I felt like I was the hot shit. Oh, I wasn't. And I learned now as I've evolved that that's like Dan Lok 1.0. Now I'm like Dan Lok 3.0. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've learned I'm, lear- I'm, I'm a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I've learned a lot of different lot of lessons in my life. The problem is because that book was so well known that people would associate, oh, Dan Lok is FU money. I said, but that's me in my late, you know what I mean? It's like your late 20s to today yeah. is a different person, right? Very different. Of different course. Person. And I've gone through so much in my life. My father's passed away, a lot of things in my life, right? Then I'm like, you know what? I need someone to know, especially because of my reach, that I don't want people to think, oh, that's what Dan is about. Oh, that's what he is teaching. I, just, I take what the influence I have very seriously. I have so many young people, they follow me, right? So, oh, they, oh yeah, a few money. I said, that's nine years ago. That's not that's what, what you should follow today. Right? You shouldn't be that guy. So that's how this book came about. I thought, mm-hmm. I need a new book that would communicate what I believe today, right? What, what people ask me, how do, I, how do I do what you do? How do I become successful? What are the values? What are the principles? I said, this. It took me such a long time. Because when I, when I, at the time when I finished FU Money, I, I said to myself, I never, never, never want to write another book. <laughs> I bet not. You know, interesting with books, though, is that I, I do think that there's a misconception that a lot of people get into writing books because they think that they're profitable up front. They see like New York Times bestsellers. And my belief, and I'm sure you kind of share this, is that you don't write a book to make money. You write a book to build branding and we got to let people in on your like your soul almost. You're, you're, uh, you're exposing your true self. You're teaching. You're adding value. And you're building relationship capital through people that actually absorb and read the content because they're going to feel closer to you. They're going to get value from it. And if they feel like they get value from you, they're likely to go buy your other stuff. Uh, Is that kind of your philosophy or what do you, how do you yes, take on hundred percent. That's why I've written so many books in my life. True. Yeah. But not for this one. Because okay. when I wrote, when I wrote this, it's, it's coming out in two months. Like I really don't need the book to, to build fall. I already have fallen. You have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I definitely don't need to fall into buy the book. It's, you know what I mean? So from a business decision point of view, it's not a very wise business decision. Like so this just, is almost like a, like a soul cleansing for you. Like you're like, you're, yeah. you're, like, you're like writing a wrong almost, it feels like. like. Yeah, it's writing a wrong. It's, it's give people an, an updated version. And it's also the answer of like all these questions I get. How do you do this? How do you do that? Just now I've got something I could point to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's my, I'll give you a quick story if I could. Please. This book is supposed to be out in like literally two months ago. <laughs> Okay, we delayed till now, till uh, October, September, October-ish. Do you know why the delay? I don't know. Why? Two months ago, I, uh, well, before we published Go to the Final Print, I had the manuscript. The final man- manuscript that we had already made revisions, editing, all of that. I was holding the manuscript. I went through it. This is now going, now I'm going to have to hand it to, to Forbes, right? Forbes pub- uh, Books, publishing it, to a publisher. 
Like they're saying, hey, Dan, if this is good, we go to print. Like, this is good to go. I said, no. And they're like, what do you mean no? I said, this is not good enough. Well, it's good enough. We've, we've reviewed it. We've worked on it for months. It's, we, it's, let's go. Like, it's, you know, because we have so many, like, when you delay a book launch, like, it just creates a whole, yeah. like, it's huge thing, right? I said, no. No, no, no. We got to publish it, Dan. No. I took the entire manuscript. I trashed it. Wow. And I said, we're going to rewrite it. What do you mean going to rewrite it? Like, you're going you're gonna to make some changes in, in, cha- in sections? We, we, you don't like a chapter. Can, no. We could scrap the whole thing. Blank document. We start from scratch. From the table of content. That's why the delay. So what, what was it? What was it that you, was it like a, like you were feeling the energy of what you had written? I mean, like, what was the moment? Like what kind of transpired through you to make that decision? That's a pretty big decision. It's a huge decision. Like that decision cost me so much time, effort and, and, and money. Right. But I said, it's just the content of it. I felt it was trying a bit to, to be, because I know the book is going to go in, this book is going to go into all the major airports in North America, right? Yep. You see in Hassan, you, you see. So I was writing with that frame that, I, like there's certain things, okay, because it's going to be, it's going to be a bookstore, it's going to be Barnes and Nobles, all of those, so, you know, I need to write it a certain way. You know what I mean? To yep. be more mass friendly. And the publisher was pushing me for that. Like, you know, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that and all that. I'm like, at the end, it just, it felt like it's part of me. It's peace, but it's not me. That's what I felt uncomfortable. And I think what, what you, what your story kind of reminds me of, because I'm a big movie buff, um, is is like these directors that have made it big and then they go on to do their passion projects afterwards. Mm -hmm. And to me, this sounds a lot like this is your passion project. Yes. You're not, um, you could have released this already and it would have been, it would have been profitable and it probably would have been potentially more profitable possibly. Yeah. Um, but you you, you wanted to do it the right way, do it your way. And, and that's intriguing. Yeah. So I rewrote it in a way that's like, because it, again, at first I was, I wrote it for everybody. Yeah. Then I changed my whole mindset. No, I'm just going to talk to some, I don't care if that person is 20 years old. It's a 20 year old Dan Locke or 60 year old Dan Locke. It doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's me. Like I wanted, this is me, right? My soul, all walks of life. I don't care if you're running a global company, you're running a hundred million dollar company, you're thinking of quitting a job. I've got something that I want to share, right? So from there, so I changed the whole thing and, and the publisher was shocked and we argued back and forth because it was such a big thing. I said, no, give me time. And that's why the delay. And I'm glad it's finished. And I'm very, very happy with the, the final manuscript. Every page, every, everything. I'm like, yep, this. It's obviously not about money because if you wanted it to be about money, you would have released the first version and you would have, and again, it probably would have been fine. There's no money. I mean, this, this book this cost me six figure. Cost yeah, and, and it, it seems like to me, like your hero's journey has been one where the first books have been about creating mechanisms to further your business. Yeah. It sounds like this is the first book that comes from wisdom. And it's like you cross the Rubicon to go, no, this, this is not part of the machine. This yeah, is not part of the machine. coming from a place of, of yeah. inner knowing. Yeah, that's why when you buy the book, it's like, oh, what's the funnel? Like I could have done this <laughs> book and then free shipping and then funnel and all that. I've got yeah. all that. I, I don't need to do it with this book. 
your one-time offer, your profit maximizer, all the yeah, wonderful stuff. Maximizer, up there, all, you can do all that. And I know how to do all that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do uh, it. So where, where do our listeners get the book? Because you sold me. I'm going to order my copy of the book. But where, where, about, where is everybody going to go to get the book? You can go to Amazon and get it. Okay. Oh, www.unlockitbook.com. Unlockitbook.com. Unlockitbook.com. You can also get it either way. doesn't really matter. Yeah. And is your, do you still have the, uh, the FU money funnel? Is that still active as yes. well? Yes. What's the, what's the link for that book as well? Uh, FUmoney.com. FUmoney.com. Love it. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the marketing mechanism. If you want to see how a, that funnel generated, I don't mind sharing this because it's kind of public knowledge, right? Uh, Russell Brunson, you know, they've got the two common club, yep. right? That funnel did, uh, did eight figure in eight months. Wow. Wow. That's eight incredible. Figure. You got, you got the two common club award for that one? Yeah. The eight figure, eight figure award. The, the $10 million award. Yeah. We've got to wrap it up here, but I got uh, just a couple more questions. First of all, if, if, if the Dan Locke who has this book went back in time and talked to that 15-year-old Dan Locke, what would you say to that person? You don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you don't know shit. You think, you're somehow, you think you're smart. You think you're this and that. And no, you don't know shit. Uh, don't be so don't be so arrogant be humble uh, learn from other people that the world's so much bigger than you think so don't stay in your little bubble right it's just the world's so much more so much bigger so much so much bigger and, and be you know be be kind to people and really don't be driven by don't be consumed by success don't be consumed by materialistic things that that you don't it's you can do good and do well and, and help others and still be very, very successful. That's what I would tell my, my 15 year old self. So how else, how else can the listeners um, get in contact with you, connect? Like where else, should we, where else would you like us to send them to to learn more about Dan Locke? And what I, think, I think any, we are on social, of course. Yep. Instagram, Facebook, you know, Dan Locke search. I'll have all those in the show notes for, uh, for yeah, everybody. That's, that's the best way. And danlock.com, that's our main website. If you want to go to the main hub, it branches out to everything else. Where do we order these Iron Man suits? Because I need to get one for my... Uh, oh, yeah. SciShow. SciShow. I'm going to pluck my friend SciShow here. SciShow <laughs> Sci Sci toys. So where do, you see, where do you see marketing going in like the, the 21st century? Like where does it go from here? I think marketing now, because of low bear of entry, everyone is an influencer now, right? Every, everyone is it's, it's, it's a founder. Everyone is a CEO. Uh, it's interesting because you, you look at social media where a lot of people, they're talking about being entrepreneurship. Like, no, entrepreneurship is, like, popular. The buzzword. It's buzzword. I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do all that. Uh, I actually think we are less than – we are – we are, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs, but in reality, we are less entrepreneurial than ever. Hmm. Wow. It's like the opposite. People like to play entrepreneurship, but they're not entrepreneurs. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier on about when you pull the curtain back and you let people know like how much work is going into your social media, how much work is going into the back end of the business. Yeah. People get scared and they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And they don't have a business model. They, have, they think, okay, I'm going to, because anyone can have an Instagram account, right? And they say, I'm going to pull photos, post photos, post some motivational stuff. And, and I'm going to, what are you going to do? I said, so what's your business model? Well, I don't know. Once I have the fans, I, I'll figure this out. Like they, they lack the very basic business acumen of yeah. what, what value are you providing? What problems are you solving for people? So like that's totally missing. 
And I hear that a lot with like new companies that start with the intention of being bought, but without the intention of actually building the business. Build like the business. There's, a whole, there's a whole movement of these companies that are really just, they're, they're starting with, because they think they want to get bought by venture capitalists, but they don't yeah. care to actually build a company. They just care about their idea, getting it off the ground, selling it. So it, um, yeah, so just, just another point I wanted to bring up. And then young people, they see people on social media and they say, oh, I want to be like that. They, they see the lights, the glitz, the glam, the, the lifestyle. But then what they didn't understand is it took how many years to get there. <laughs> and, and they would start something. Oh man, I'm telling you, one year I'm going to retire. I'm going to sit on the beach, right? I'm going to be drinking my beer. It's going to be cool. Like it's this whole mentality. And, and they, my, my mentor said, Dan Penny always it's the snowflake generation, right? <laughs> yep. What snowflake? They melt under pressure. Like they live a bit of that. Uh, uh, someone, someone said uh, they don't like me on social media. They're like, shit. Then they all like, it's they don't understand what it takes. They don't understand how hard it is. And they have this fantasy of, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's, it's not well, hard. I always love being told like, you know, you're an overnight success, 20 years in the making, those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what, what's so overnight about it? It's not overnight about it, right? Exactly. And, and, nothing and even for myself, this is for myself. Looking back, if I knew this is what it would take, I probably won't do it. <laughs> Interesting. I, like if I knew what I knew today and this is what it would take to get to this level, I'm like, I am not saying, hey, sign me up. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, but because I'm kind of in, like you're in it, in like halfway, I'm like you kind of gotta gotta keep pushing, and before you knew it, then you are you you're it. But it's not like if I knew that's what it takes, I'm like probably I'm I'm happy with a lot. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're sold the glitz and the glam, and we're sold the idea of freedom. Um, But yeah, when you run a successful company like you're running, there's a lot of time investment. There's a lot to it, and. Yeah, it's not all clear until you're actually behind the... Dude, uh, you're, you're selling me the idea of having two Iron Man suits behind me. That's what you're selling me on right now. <laughs> Are you sold? Did I close you? <laughs> you're so close to me on that. So listen, we got, we got to wrap it up. But before we do, I got to find out. Uh, we covered geek news because this is, you know, Marketing Geeks isn't just about geeky in marketing. Uh, I want to find out, number one, what you're geeky about, Dan, this week. Like, what's your thing that you're geeky about? Number two... What did you think of Marvel's rollout of Phase 4? I, well, first of all, I, I watch every single Marvel movie, so I'm a huge fan. Anything Marvel does, I, I, too, I, man. I, I love it. I, I love it. So, so Marvel Phase 4, can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, for geek, geeky stuff this week, let me think. I don't collect. I mean, this is what I collect, right? This is the, like the Marvel toys, and that's what I order. Um, I had, well... One thing, not this week, but one thing I kicked out recently was really what's I know, um, the A86, um, the, the Toyota that I have. Mm. Like, you know, people say, hey, here's my Lamborghini. I say, here's my Toyota. It's <laughs> 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 my Toyota, man. But it's from the animation uh, Initial D. Initial oh. D, which is like the drifting car from the mountain. And, and I love that car because that car is the ultimate underdog story, right? It's a crappy little tofu delivery car that beats all the muscle car, right? When they're going downhill and up the mountain. That's the, the series of Initial D. So that's my little geeky thing that I would say. Oh, that's so it. awesome, man. Jesse, what are you geeky about this week? This yeah, week? I mean, I guess, it's, I guess it's the rollout of Marvel Phase 4. We oh, got yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. 
For sure, yeah. Comic Con, Comic Con. They they announced like all what we got like a new Thor movie. We got Black Widow. Uh, Black Widows, yep. Yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah, the Doctor TV Strange movie, which apparently oh, I know what I'm geeky about. Walking Dead movie. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Okay. Yeah. Rick, Rick Grimes, his own Walking Dead movie. You heard it here first. <laughs> Go see that. Well, uh, uh, Justin, uh, you're Marvel 4. I'm Marvel also. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for being on this show, man. And uh, please come back. And uh, yes. we would love to have you back again. It was so kind of you to take your time please out. Share, yeah. Please share the interview with your, your 10 million people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll share it with our seven. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, All right. Man. Thank you so much. Dan Locke, everybody. Wow, that was that was uh, that was amazing, man. And I, I got to tell you, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's pretty powerful to to listen to someone who's really done the whole thing with the marketing funnels and writing the books and doing the seminars and the retreats and the the coaching. But and, and some people say, you know, I want to be that rich. I just I just want to get those Iron Man outfits because that. That was pretty dope, dude. Let's not let's like, not forget about the Captain America shield in between the two suits of armor, too. Oh man! Uh, well, uh, thank you, Dan Locke. You uh, you truly are a hero for being on our show and agreeing to say yes. And with that, another fine, fine episode of the Marketing Geeks. Yeah, and I, I will uh, say uh, I did a little bit of research. I couldn't help myself, and I looked up the the toy company that produced those Iron Man suits, and they are kind of expensive. Yeah, yeah but they're well, worth every penny, and I love it. I mean, that's that's how you brand yourself. You you have backdrops like that. I mean, you look at my backdrop; it, it's not quite at that level yet. Well, you know what? I got to say, it's an improvement. It really is an improvement, and. Um, uh, all I could say is you're beautiful, no matter what your backdrop is, my friend. Oh, thank you so, so much. I just love that. I just love hearing that. And uh, and also, yeah. you know what I love about Dan Locke is that he you know he puts him uh, he puts his integrity above profits at this point in his career. So he admits that when he was younger, he was a little bit selfish, a little bit arrogant. Uh, but the growth and the changes, it's it's really profound to hear. Uh, an amazing individual. Yeah, maybe it'll happen to us someday. Who knows? Yeah, I doubt it. I think it's too late for us, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at our ripe old ages, forget about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please visit our website. Uh, tell your friends about us. Leave a review. We love you. And with that, stay classy. <laughs>